0: Listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. I'm your host, Rich. You can follow me on Twitter at FFMiz1. And with me tonight is my co-host, Kev. Follow him on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. Kev, how are you doing?
0: Rich, I'm very good this evening. Um, where's Matt?
1: I don't know. I think he's, I think he's uh, in a little bit of a mood because he got thumped by uh, by our co-team in the Fantasy World Card Listener League.
0: Yeah, it's fair to say we absolutely dismantled him by two points.
1: We did, <laughs> we did. And after all the trash I gave him last week, I'm so glad that uh, he didn't beat us. To be fair, I don't. Th- I think I'd have left our group chat. To be honest.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
1: Yeah, but we are dominating that league. I we six and one now. Is it six and one?
0: Yeah, we're six and one. But I do think we're a bit of a paper tiger in that league, so oh, we'll, we'll just have to see how we get on.
1: I am worried because obviously the guests coming on this show, but it's very the winner. Sorry, is coming is going to come on the show, but I'm starting to think that that's probably going to be us. So
0: yeah, me and you. I've got
1: more confidence than you, so we'll have to get the losers <laughs> who finish second on instead. <laughs> Uh, So tonight we're going to be looking back at week 7 of the NFL season And looking at the fantasy implications off the back of that And how that affects us going forward as well So we'll be going through each game um, from Thursday night football Through to Monday night football So we're going to start where it began On Thursday night football with the Giants and the Eagles The Eagles coming out on top 22-21 Kev, was there anything in particular in this game that stood out for you?
0: Yeah, one guy that stood out over the last four weeks, really, if we're uh, being honest, it's uh, your boy Travis Fulham.
1: <laughs> is that how you pronounce his name? Is it actually Fulham? Because I yeah. thought you were joking. I don't you...
0: know if it's Fulham or Fulgham. Or... We'll call him Travis. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Travis, he's, uh, he's been the wide receiver one in fantasy football over the last four weeks, which is pretty cool. Uh, cool as my hands, actually. Um, but he's had, he's had at least four games of... At least 12 fantasy points, and he's done it against some real tough opponents. He's uh, had San Francisco, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Giants. <coughs> um, and to be honest, he's had, he's had opportunity because of the injuries. Um, we've had a lot of injuries this season of the Eagles, and it's similar to what happened with Greg Ward last season with his little mini breakout. Um, I did see a tweet, uh, I think it was yesterday, from JJ Zacharyson, and he was asking who would you rather have rest the season? Travis or Mike Evans and 66% were saying Travis Fulham so um, that that's mind-blowing in itself so I just want to get your take on how you think he'll perform rest of season um, with the 21 rookie class of wide receivers would you be buying or selling him at the cost of a I think it's cost of 21 third rounder at the moment?
1: Uh, I've I don't i don't think this a sustainable long term i'm not though to be fair, i'm not sure what sort of contract is on or anything like that I, have, have they got anything invested in him beyond this year
0: i believe is is something like an exclusive rights free agent i believe i yeah. think it's up, up up after this season but i reckon they'll be uh looking to time down long term on the cheap
1: yeah because I, th- I think I'd be worried about him long term because, like you said, you saw Greg Ward have this sort of breakout, mini breakout last year. But it's it's hard not to be impressed by what he's done. Obviously, he has been helped by the amount of injuries you've got in that offense. But he's played. I think he's played in last in four games. He says so. He's had had 23 receptions on 35 targets, 357 yards. um, And he's also been really efficient as well. So he's. Uh, on with amongst pass uh, receiving, I can't even get my words out. Among, uh, <laughs> receivers, <laughs> yeah, among receivers, yes, uh, he's actually eleventh in the NFL um, yards per route we're at two point five one, and that's amongst receivers with uh, who've run at least eighty nine routes. So he's been really efficient, and I think to answer your question on whether or not he can continue that the rest of the season, I think he can. Uh, I mean, I think Zach Ertz is going to be out for a while now. You've got—do we know how long? Uh, uh, Jeffrey. How long? Yeah, Jeffrey as well. Jeffrey's
0: not. I don't oh, think he'll be He's, he's irrelevant.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson obviously got injured as well. Again, I mean, I think Jalen Rager's coming off injured reserve, and as high as I am on Rager, I, I think it's going to be really tough for him now. He missed some of a shortened and training camp. He's obviously missed a number of weeks of the season. I'm still really high on Rager long-term, but I don't know if the Eagles can rely on him in 2020. So for a third-round pick, if you're in contention and you need some depth at wide receiver, then it would be a no-brainer to sell him. If you're a contender, then you're obviously not going to let him go.
0: Yeah, I'm completely on board with you as well. I'd pay a third-rounder for him. Um, I wouldn't pay a second because next year's class is um, really good at wide receiver. So I think that, the, the more talented players you, you you bet on longer term, whereas Fulham he's got the opportunity as such. You, you do bet on talent long term. Um, I do believe he'll be a top three wide receiver for the Eagles next year. Um, obviously, we mentioned Jeffrey Jackson and Ertz. They they're all out of contract in twenty twenty two, but they all have outs next season to get rid of them um, for for a minimal loss, but. Um, I do think it's a, a franchise in, in a bit of a transition after this season. Um, but speaking of the rest of the season for, for Fulham, I think he'll be a wide receiver free. Um, obviously, there's a, the injuries you mentioned. Um, Wentz has thrown 40 passes in at least uh, five out of seven games. And they have got a tough schedule coming up with the Eagles, which will it'll lead to them being behind, I would imagine, and throwing more of the play. Browns, the Seahawks, Packers Saints and Cardinals so there's going to be opportunity for him moving forward as well so um, I do think that looks really bright
1: Yeah I think for this season definitely And you know, at the cost of like a, a third rounder, I'd be willing to do that you've, you've hit the nail on the head really I wouldn't do it for a, a second round pick or at least not in in 2021 anyway I think the uh, 2022 class is, is not as deep or, or not deep at all so, if, you know, if you, even if you can get twenty twenty two seconds, something like that, a rebuilding team or something like that may take it if they've just had Fulgham on the back of the roster. But I'm not going any higher than the third round pick in 2021. But I, I, I do accept that I have been really impressed with, with Fulgham. Um, I'm just interested to see, see the rest of the season, really, because like I say, you've only really got Jalen Rager coming back in.
0: Yeah, and Goddard's still out as well, isn't he? For a few yeah, has,
1: has there been anything about him coming back? I think because I mean, I, I saw an article on Thursday or a news item saying that Goddard might have been active, not necessarily play, but he was possibly going to be activated before Thursday night football last week, and then it was literally an hour later that they said he probably won't be activated before week ten.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's the Eagles buying week nine, so we yeah. you expect it to be week ten at the latest.
1: Yeah, I think what the only thing I'd add on that is if you know, if you're trying to look ahead, if you can fit him on the back of your roster, I'd be trying to pick up Dallas Goddard in redraft leagues now as well. Prior to him coming back. I mean, Zach Ertz is out. I think he was a prime waiver wire target even before Ertz was injured, because I think he Ertz just looks horrendous this season. I think Goddard was primed to take over from him anyway. So now, if Hurts is going to miss more time and Goddard's due back, say week 10, I think he's well worth stashing it. If you've got a little bit of a deeper bench, it's probably hard to hold him if you've got small benches in your redraft league. But deeper bench, I definitely will be targeting Goddard uh, either this week or next week.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: So if we move on to the next game, which was the Steelers and the Titans. The Steelers coming out on top in this one, 27-24. We saw a furious comeback from the Titans, which I hate to accept because I hate to give them credit because I hate the Titans, but I thought they looked really good on Sunday, even in losing the game, how they fought back against a really tough Steelers team. But for me, the one that the only thing I think we can talk about here is Um, the wide receiver rotation and in in particular Deontay Johnson, so as expected Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver one in Pittsburgh as far as I'm concerned when he's healthy, so Sunday, 15 15 targets on Sunday, he's been treated as the wide receiver one, he had nine receptions for 80 yards and two touchdowns he was third in the league in targets for week seven, he did, my heart sank at the end of the game, I think he went down with an injury again, but Apparently it was only a minor bruise to his ankle and he'll be fine. Uh, I mean, just to get your thoughts, first of all, on the fact that I actually saw people either asking or going ahead with dropping Deontay Johnson in redraft leagues before Sunday. And I think that's just borderline asinine for a guy that's dominated targets every time he's been on the field this season.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely scandalous. We all know that when he's 100% healthy, he's the alpha on that team and... um, like you said, he's, the three games he's been healthy, he's got a total of 38 targets. They're yeah. feeding him the ball and he's, he's performing when he's, when he's healthy. So dropping him in a redraft league is an absolute mistake.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, think, I just think he's a stud. I've been really, probably higher than consensus on him before this season, and I still am. I know he's picking up a few injuries, but it, I don't think it's anything major in terms of that's going to affect him long-term. I think he's just been a little bit Unlucky, he's probably come back not 100% as well, so it's a lot, he's more susceptible to picking up more soft tissue injuries and things like that, and if we're talking about Deontay Johnson, I think we also just have to mention Chase Claypool as well he's quite clearly taken over uh, James Washington's role in that offence I mean, people were saying, and the reason, the reason they wanted to drop Deontay Johnson was because they were worried that Claypool had taken over from Deontay Johnson, but I don't think that was ever ever in question at any point I think it was much more likely that he'd take over Washington's role, and I think that's what he's done. So, you look back to the start of the season when the Steelers played the Giants, um, Claypool was a distant four from the depth chart, but he's now running as the clear-cut third wide receiver. Uh, when you compare, you know, what he did or his usage compared to James Washington as well, he was to 12 for James Washington. So, I'm, I'm not too worried about Claypool. He, he obviously didn't get the targets on Sunday, but... I think his usage in terms of how much time he's spending on the field and the routes he's running suggests that I think he's still going to be productive um, rest of the season. It's it's unbelievable how quickly things change in the fantasy community. That he suddenly within one week he's possibly come a buy low now again because yeah. uh, people you know people are very reactionary and may think that you know Johnson coming back means that Claypool's finished in terms of redraft. But I don't think so at all. I think it was just a case he didn't get the targets on Sunday and on the back of that i just ask you what, what you think in terms of James Washington now. For, people seem a lot higher than I am on James Washington, even before all of this. Uh, I, I've never really been that enamoured with Washington. And on Sunday, I ran less routes than Vance McDonald, who's the backup tight end as well. I think he's the wow. An afterthought. I'd probably, I mean, I'd probably stash him in Dynasty, because I still think there's a chance that the Steelers don't re-sign Juju. But even then, I'm not actively trying to acquire James Washington. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think first of all with Claypool, he, he's he's a very intriguing guy. I mean, last week some people were calling him a top ten dynasty wide receiver, yeah. which which was crazy. And, and obviously, he's had a he's had a week where he actually scored minus points. Um, his value is going to shoot really low. So, like you said, he's he's potentially a buy low depending on if you've got a knee jerk reaction from an owner. Mm. Uh, with, with Washington, I think. He's he's got a contract till the end of next season, and I do think he'll be uh, a starter next season because I I fully anticipate that Juju will leave in free agency. But um, with with Claypool looking pretty decent and uh, Deontay uh, uh, looking like special receiver as well, you're not going to really get that volume for Washington. He's gonna it's going to be very boom bust. Um, So he's someone that you you can probably keep a hold of, but I wouldn't be actively looking to. Go on game
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I agree with that as well So moving on to the next game Which was the Panthers And the Saints The Saints just edging this one out 27-24, probably A a little bit of a closer game than many would have Expected though, to be fair The Panthers have probably been more competitive than people People thought they would Though that could be detrimental to Their future prospects, which I think you're probably Going to touch on here Kev, was anything in particular In this one?
0: Yeah, I'm going to talk about Teddy Bridgewater, who's the QB 18 on the season, which is really solid against his off-season ADP. I think it was in the early 20s, uh, early to mid 20s. Uh, and to be honest, they ran the Saints really close. So it was a field, missed field goal away from uh, getting to overtime in the in the Superdome. So a great effort for a young team that's overachieving under Matt Rule. Uh, yeah. Three three and four record on the season, and we, we thought would be well in contention for the number one overall pick, but the way they're playing it's it's taking them out of range for Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields etc. Yeah. Um now I know you're a bit of a of a Devi expert, a bit of a Devi guru. I can, and sma-
1: I can sense your sarcasm <laughs> through the through the microphone.
0: <laughs> if this were just um, a, a live feed it'd be hilarious. Um <laughs> but <laughs> I just want to know like will, will the Panthers be in range for Uh, Any other QB in round one uh, besides uh, Lawrence and Fields? and um, Would you actually be looking to obtain Teddy in Dynasty based on the fact that he's likely going to be in a starting job next season?
1: Uh, Well, I I do think he'll be in a starting job next year because they're not going to be in a position to take uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. I think even if they don't win another game, I think they're going to struggle to be in the running for that. And I think Lawrence and Fields are are the only really two, you'd say, blue chip quarterbacks in this class. I don't think the 20s, we've obviously been, you know, spoiled by the the amount of quality quarterbacks that have come out in 2020. Um, The 2021 class is fantastic just because of Lawrence and, and Justin Fields at the top. But outside of that, I don't think it's as deep as this year. You've got Trey Lance, he's got a lot of upside, but... I don't think he'll be ready to play in the NFL if he's drafted in 2021. And also, draft capital is probably a, a concern as well because he, yeah. he's only really played against low level of competition. And obviously, he's not playing in – he played one game in 2020. And then, obviously, there's a, a, fall call, a fall season in the spring, but he's already opted out of that to prepare for the NFL draft yeah. as well. So, with Lance, there's a lot of upside. But I think if, if the Panthers got someone like Trey Lance, he's not going to come in and start in 2021. Uh, you've got some other options as well, like Mac Jones. He's looked really good for Alabama. Um, and he did last year as well after he we replaced Tua when Tua was out injured. And Kyle Trask at has looked really impressive yeah. as well. But I don't think we're at the point where we could say that they're 100% franchise quarterbacks, where you're going to see them go very early in round one. But, I mean, we, we might have said that about quarterbacks such as Justin Herbert, though. I think, yeah. was, from my perspective anyway, I underestimated Justin Herbert, but... Obviously we've got to take into account that the Panthers may trade up for one of the uh, the, the top two guys, but I, I mean, you look at the teams that are going to be in those positions and I can't see teams like the Jets or the Jags trading, you know, trading down or trading back. So at, at worst, at worst for Teddy Bridgewater, I think that they may take a developmental quarterback, which would mean he keeps the job in 2021. And... For me in Dynasty, especially in Superflex, I don't think you can you can't really risk looking too far ahead because I've done that so much and it's just always seems to be detrimental. In terms of what I'm looking for in quarterbacks, I just want to I want to be certain that that quarterback will have a starting job the following year. And I think no matter what the Panthers do in the draft, I think Teddy will be the starting quarterback in 2021 at least. Uh, In terms of what I'd pay for Teddy Bridgewater. It's so hard in Superflex because um, quarterbacks. I wouldn't say overvalued to be fair, but they are. There's such a premium to be paid on quarterbacks that I would find it hard to pay because you probably even to get. You know, you said I think he's the QB 18 on the season. Even to get someone like that, you're going to probably have to give up significant draft capital of you know multiple seconds or maybe a even a first round pick yeah. to get it. And I think this this 21 21 class is so loaded that I don't think I'd be willing to do it. I did mention the 2022 class isn't as deep, and there's very looking like very few blue chip prospects. So if you could, if you could persuade an owner to, you know, part with a um, package of a few picks from 2022, I'd, I'd possibly be willing to do that. But I don't think I'd acquire him for 2021 picks unless I felt it was the last piece I needed to get over the line, you know, such as my third quarterback to make sure I had cover. But even then, I think I'd be reluctant to to push the button on it.
0: Yeah, it does seem that in Superflex Leagues, um, any starting quarterback that everyone's asking for a, a first-round pick, uh, whether it be uh, Gardner Minshew or um, yeah. s- someone that's probably not that's playing on, on unstable ground as such, Sam you would probably have to pay a first for, yeah.
1: um,
0: which is pretty wild considering he's likely out of the door um, this off-season. I think we. I'm a little bit higher on Bridgewater than you. I'd be, I'd be willing to pay a late first in Dynasty. Um, I think, like his name, he's a perfect bridge quarterback for the, the Panthers. Yeah. He's got that three-year contract until 2023. And I think, like you said, it's probably going to be a best fit to for the Panthers to take a developmental guy and um, grooming behind Teddy Bridgewater. So with him being the starter for at least another season and a half, I I'd be uh, I'd be very willing to go after him in in your superflex in your super flex leagues for a mid to late first rounder.
1: Like you say, I think it's it's you've sort of said exactly what I really what I did as well is that you can't look too far ahead thinking is he gonna be the quarterback in two or three years. I mean, for God's sake your league the dynasty league you have him in might not even exist in two to three years. So I think you're thinking too far ahead in terms. So I, I, I don't agree in terms of paying a late first for him, but I do agree with you on the fact that he'll have a job next year. So he is worth acquiring dynasty. It depends really on your sort of your perspective on on the 2021 class or what you're willing to give up to do it. So I think we're sort of on the same on the same ground there. Uh, So the next one we've got was another wild shootout Between the Browns and the Bengals Where it seemed that every skill player on both sides Apart from Jarvis Landry went nuts in this one Um, I don't really want to focus on the obvious But Joe Burrow, and I don't annoy you Kev But Joe Burrow did look fantastic So I just want to get that in there Uh, I think the Bengals, as much as this is heartbreaking Another heartbreaking defeat for them I mentioned on social media on Sunday I don't think it's about results for them this year Uh, I think they've got the franchise guy for the next 10, 10, 15 years. I think Joe Burrow's looked that good uh, so far, as long as they don't get him killed behind that offensive line. But rather than getting into an argument with you about Joe Burrow, (laughs) uh, I'm going to look at some of the other skilled players involved in this one. So Harrison Bryant broke out, Austin Hooper missed the game. And I think it was really good to see one of the tight ends from the 2020 class, which was maligned as being miserable. It was great to see a guy come out there and break out a little bit. The yeah. caveat to that, I wouldn't expect it to continue uh, once Austin Hooper returns. So in terms of redraft, I wouldn't chase the points. I don't think I'd even be considering picking up Harrison Bryant in, uh, from waivers in redraft. But I think he's worth stashing in Dynasty. Um, so I'd love to get your thoughts on that, because he, he did play ahead of David Njoku. So uh, Bryant was named the starter. He out-snapped Njoku 40-31 and out-targeted him 5-3. To be fair, and this is one of the reasons why this this class wasn't really the tight end class wasn't really celebrated. There's nothing really in Bryant's athletic profile that stands out, but the talk out of Cleveland is the the coaching staff absolutely love him, and for that reason alone, I think he's a player that you want to hold in dynasty at the back of your roster or stash him. Um, I wouldn't. I know we say we seem to say this about these players that have one breakout every week, but I wouldn't go out and buy him now. Obviously. Because you're going to have to overpay for a guy that's probably going to disappear into the abyss for the rest of the season once Hooper's back. But it's another one, and I think we talked about a few players like this over the last few weeks, is I'd wait for Austin Hooper to come back. Bryant, it's inevitable that Bryant's going to go back to being, not a passenger necessarily, but in terms of the box score, becoming a passenger where he's not putting up more than single-digit points, if that. Um yeah, I think I'd try and buy him then. And the only other thing I wanted to mention, and then we'll come back to you, Kevin, both of these, is uh, from a wild game where every player went nuts, as I said, I think Rashad Higgins is the one worth adding um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on waivers. I think Odell Beckham obviously left the game in the first series. Um, Higgins led the Browns in targets along with Landry with six. He also led the team in routes run, and he was the most efficient Browns receiver on the day. yards per route run. I think a lot of people are going to be trying to buy Landry this week. But I thought even with Beckham out, uh, Landry was, to be honest, a major disappointment. I think he's got a high floor because he'll always get the targets, but I think he's got low upside because he just doesn't look 100%. So if anyone, I'll be trying to get Higgins off waivers rather than trying to buy Landry this week. So two things really, after I've just rambled on for about (laughs) 20 minutes, I apologise, I got carried away. (laughs) Firstly, where are you in terms of Harrison Bryant going forward? And then your thoughts on Higgins and Landry with Odell Beckham out.
0: Yeah, so with Bryant I think you're spot on that he's he's played ahead of Njoku, um, which probably doesn't help that he keeps asking for a trade every week. He's <laughs> yeah. gonna it's gonna wind up the coaching staff. Um and it's great advice you've given on the timing that you don't necessarily have to go for Bryant straight away while he's um, his price has gone high, he can leave it a little bit. Um, my only concern with Bryant is what he can be for fantasy in the next three to four years. Obviously, mm. Hooper's signed through 2024. Um, I can see a similar sort of role that Irv Smith played under Stefanski in Minnesota. Um, so I think Bryant's well worth a look in your tight end premium your two tight end leagues. Mm. Um, single tight end redraft, um, single tight end dynasty uh leagues I'm I'm less excited about y for me in that you really only want to be rostering three guys who are probably all starters depending on your um bench size. Yeah. And then your, your second part on Higgins Landry, I think, yeah. Um I think that your analysis on that was spot on, but one one guy I'd like to throw out is Donovan Peoples Jones as someone yeah. that could be um a little bit deeper. he's, he's flashed a little bit. And uh, he plays special teams, so he's, he's he's on the active roster as a rookie. He's he's going to get a chance to to perform a little bit. Obviously, we know Landry's banged up, so if he was to miss any time, we could end up with Higgins and Peoples Jones <laughs> as the starting wide receivers. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, because I was quite interested in terms of Landry for you, because I know you were quite high on Jarvis Landry in. In the off season, I know a few of the co teams we run. We argued quite a lot about drafting Landry, and I, I didn't really see the upside. D- and you obviously did. D- do you do you think it's just a health health issue with Landry? And do you expect you know come 2021, do you expect to see Landry back to what you thought he'd be in 2020?
0: I think it's really interesting because the the type of offense they want to run in Cleveland. It's uh, it's a ball control lower lower volume yeah. offense, and he's previously been used to. And We know that he's a guy that he needs volume to yeah. to really stand out in fantasy. He's, he's a really safe guy, but um, I don't know with, with the Browns. Like Odell Beckham's been a disappointment for them. Obviously, he's out for the season. Um, I still think there's question marks about. Baker Mayfield long term he has flashed and obviously the offensive line's helped him a lot but um, it, it it only takes two or three games and he's potentially under the spotlight again so I, there's a lot of questions still I think with the Cleveland passing game. Um, I, I'd be happy keeping him around I wouldn't be looking to, to sell him but um, he's he's definitely not met expectations on, on, on what I thought he could achieve this season to say the least.
1: Yeah, so we'll just say I was right.
0: Yeah, we'll just say you're right. I'll, I'll let you have that one.
1: <laughs> so move on to the next uh, game on the sleigh, which was the Packers and the Texans. Obviously, this ended up, the score ended up 35-20. But watching this game, you wouldn't think so. It was much more one-sided than that. The Packers completely thumped the Texans. Was there anything in particular in this one, Kev?
0: Yeah, a guy I want to speak speak about on this is Deshaun Watson. Um I'm doing air quotes here, but he's uh, not been as elite without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, And and, I mean, he's he's still the QB5 on the season. Obviously, that was a bit of sarcasm on my part. Um, I've seen people calling him a fraud, which is quite hilarious. I think
1: the only people that are frauds are the ones that are calling him a fraud, to be fair. (laughs) Sorry, carry on.
0: Fraud calling a fraud. Yeah. I mean, he's a 25 year old QB with two top five fantasy seasons in his only two healthy seasons. Um, mm. There is a lot of questions with a potential new coach, uh, who that will be next season. And there's also talk that the Texans might start trading pieces because they had a nightmare with. Um, tr- the trades have done previously. They've not got much draft ca- capital. I think they've got a really high pick. Um, and the Dolphins have got the Dolphins first come around us, yeah. So they've just really badly run franchise. Um, but coming back to Watson, I just want to get your thoughts on where you'd rank him in dynasty right now, and also without a true elite alpha wide receiver, is he is he someone you'd be looking to dangle in trade talks in your dynasty leagues? Uh.
1: Absolutely not. No, not not a chance. Unless I can get a ridiculous haul in return, then there's no way that I'd trade Deshaun Watson in in superflex. Uh, you mentioned his situation. I, I don't really care. I've I've learned a lesson from from I'm obsessing too much about situation. I think you take the talent. I've got him at QB six. So the only quarterbacks I've got ahead of him are Mahomes, Jackson, Murray, Wilson, and Dak. And then I've got him slightly ahead of Josh Allen. Joe Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, I think, it, like you said, I think he's the QB5 in fantasy points, despite, you know, he's had a tough opening schedule and no running yeah. game. Um, David Johnson is dust. David Dustson. That's a terrible joke, I'm sorry, but. Dusty you know, the, Johnson. Yeah, the running game is pathetic. And on that note, free Juke Johnson. <laughs> but so he's got no running game to rely on. He's still second in the league in passing yards. He's tied for second in games with three, over three hundred yards. Tied for sixth in touchdown passes, and that's despite him losing DeAndre Hopkins. Though, I would say that I think you have to give some credit as well to Will Fuller, who I think has been yeah. pretty yeah. fantastic so far as we expected. And I think his rushing floor as well is enormous. I don't, I don't. He doesn't seem to be running as much this year as he has in the past, but. I think that floor is still huge for him. I just I can't see any way that I would want to give up to show Watson in Dynasty. What about you?
0: Well, I think, first of all, you must have my uh, rankings again because I've got him at QB6 as well. Um, <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I think Josh Allen, he's had a hot start, but he's starting to slow down. And I think long-term, I'm still a sceptic, just some of the issues he has with fumbling and not really looking after his... When he's rushing, leads me to mm-hmm. think he might get a few injuries down the line. I think both rookies, uh, well, I say both rookies, maybe it's all three rookies um <laughs> look to be hits, but it's still a little bit too early. So I think having him at QB6 is, is spot on. Um, I do think every player has a price, but he is a firm hold for me. I think there's too much talent. He's potentially been held back by Bill O'Brien. Um, yeah. he's, he's a really bad franchise on the whole. But next season, I think it could be a little bit like. We got a glimpse of with 2020 Dak Prescott, if they've got a bad roster and it could be a record-breaking season for Watson. So I'd be, I'd be keeping hold of him.
1: Yeah, I think anyone that trades him away is going to regret massively just based on his situation now. I think you have to take the talent. And, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, in terms of your quarterbacks that you want in Superflex. Yeah, you're only looking one season ahead. But if you've got someone like Deshaun Watson, you're not going to have to worry about your quarterback position for a long time. Um, It can be a QB one in super flex, you know, for a number of years to come. So I see no reason whatsoever to sell him. Unless you've got like two other (laughs) top 10 quarterbacks. I I just don't get it. I don't understand. And I don't understand the criticism either. And to be fair, I think he shoved that criticism down people's throats so far this year. And like you said, it's been a really poor situation as well.
0: Yeah, if you sell him on the cheap, then you're a fraud.
1: Yeah, that's the message that we're sending out on this show. (laughs) Uh, So I do want to say to people listening that apparently we randomly drew these games out, but I seem to have got the terrible games and you seem to have got the really good ones. I know, yeah, and I did do the show (laughs) sheet this
0: week. so
1: So I've drawn the Bills and the Jets. There is literally nothing good I can think to say about this game. And I do think this draw was fixed. (laughs) But there was actually... So I I know you mentioned Josh Allen. I don't want to talk about Josh Allen on this show because, you know, I think that's done to death. I'm much higher than you on Josh Allen, I think. And I did actually know that. And I didn't realise he's apparently playing with an injury to his non-throwing shoulder over the last few weeks. Whether or not that is affecting him, I don't know. But it could be why we've seen a little bit of a dip in his performances. But I am still really high on Allen. Uh, going forward, but he certainly didn't show it in this game. The only highlight, really, I could pick out, and I'm sure that you're going to enjoy this one, was uh, Denzel Mims made his NFL debut. Mm. Yeah, so obviously you were really high on Denzel Mims coming out, and I laughed at you when we did the uh, rookie mock draft uh, in the spring. Uh, his box score didn't jump out, which you wouldn't really expect it to. You know, It's a rookie making his first start in the NFL, and he finished with four receptions for 42 yards, but he did have and I don't know whether this speaks to how good Mims was or how pathetic the Jets are, that he had 26% of the target share and he led, he wow. led the Jets in receiving yards <laughs> with 42. Um, but I also think the usage was really good with the target share. For once, the Jets didn't get pounded, so that meant that the game script yeah. meant that Daniel wasn't forced to throw. So I think going forward, when they're getting thumped every week, starting this week, I have they got the Chiefs this week, I think? And then yeah, the nineteen alpha, and a half 19 and a half by underdogs.
0: Like that.
1: <laughs> so the two starters will be out at the end of the first quarter. But this game, uh, they are going to have to throw the ball a lot more. So we may see more of Denzel Mims. I think I didn't necessarily agree with you. And I think we covered this on a on a podcast in the off-season. One of my weaknesses when evaluating prospects is that I really, I'm really i really cool down on prospects that come out as senior players. And that, that was the case. So he came out as a senior. But you can't deny that he is a phenomenal athlete so he's in the 90th percentile in this 40 times speed score burst score his catch radius and he'll certainly need that with Sam Darnold at quarterback sorry I I hate slagging off Sam Darnold because I I do actually feel really bad for him I was quite high but yeah I think Denzel Mins is an ideal target on waivers this week because I think his box score as I said it doesn't stand out and a lot of more casual fantasy players are just going to look at that and not be blown away and they won't look at his usage and same in Dynasty, I'd be trying to go and get Denzel Mims, possibly, um, because his box score wasn't great. And also he plays for the Jets, and no one at the minute wants to invest in Jets skill players, but I think he's one that you should certainly be having a look at, especially if you know that there's a very real chance that the Jets draft Trevor Lawrence next year.
0: Yeah, I think um, now is the time, really, to be going after Denzel Mims. Um, him, him and Jalen Rager, actually. Um, Rager yes. and Mims are my wide receiver two and three from this class, I would really like on both of them. Um, I think the price is gonna skyrocket very soon. But what I would say on Mims is maybe to pump the brakes a little this season just because Adam Gase is still around and <laughs> yeah. the Crowd is averaging almost twelve targets a game and he didn't play at the weekend. Yeah. But I do yeah. think I think long term with Gace likely gone after the season and the potential of being the alpha for Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Denzel Mims aubergine emoji
1: so the next game on the slate was the Cowboys at the Washington football team the Cowboys once again looking absolutely miserable going down 25 to 3 their season well to be fair they're in the NFC so the season may not be over but at this point there is no way back for the Cowboys this season was there anything in this one Kev that you picked out other than that
0: yeah, Antonio Gibson stood out for me. Um really nice week seven for him. He had a hundred and twenty-eight yards on the ground and a touchdown. Um we, we used to see him Washington get smashed most weeks. So with it being an NFC East game, it was a. it was nice to see Washington play with a lead from the front. Um we've seen his pass usage from behind, so um to see him used, I guess, as a free down back was really nice. He's a. It's currently the RB 17 on the season, uh, but this is this is a, um, the same coaching staff and system that um, catapulted CMC in, in Carolina, which I know it's a big comparison, but it's true. It was um, compared
1: to him, though, wasn't it? I think was it? I think Ron Rivera, wasn't it? That compared him to CMC. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's got it's a big big comp, but in that system with them tools. You never know. Um, But I just really want to get your thoughts on Gibson about where he ranks for you in this year's rookie running back class now you've seen him and how much would you be willing to pay for him in terms of uh, picks or veteran players in Dynasty?
1: So I was really high on Gibson um, before this season. i tried to get him at his ADP and redraft wherever I could because I think he was the ideal sort of of rookie running back that you sort of stash and you think he can be a league winner down the stretch. and he's, he's probably been more productive in the first half of the season than I expected him to be. I think he just looks fantastic. I mean, I have still got him just outside the top five in terms of this running back class. So I think it's too early to move him ahead of any of those five. So I still think he's behind Jonathan Taylor, Edwards Alaire. DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers. I mean, I think we could spend a whole show on the, the way Cam Akers has been used. I'm not willing to give <laughs> up on him yet. Yeah, I mean, it's still too early and I just think Sean McVeigh just lies constantly. Um, and obviously Daryl Enders has been impressive as well. But as I said, that's probably for another show. I've not moved him above any of those five yet, but I have now got him as the RB6 out of his class. And I think he's probably, cl- to be fair, he is closing in, especially in terms of Cam Akers. And in terms of what I paid for him, I think we've, there's been quite a few debates on social media this week about whether or not you should buy high. I think in redraft, buying high is is counterproductive or can be detrimental. But I think in dynasty, you need to buy high, and I'd be willing to buy high on Antonio Gibson. And earlier in the show, I talked about how loaded the 2021 class is. So I think the highest praise I can give him is that I would still I would be willing to pay a mid first round pick for Gibson right now. I think he's been that impressive. And I think you look at the class coming out next year, you've only really got, in my opinion, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Yeah. I think are better than Antonio Gibson coming out next year. I don't think, for example, you've got a few other solid guys in there. Obviously, there's a lot of people high on Tuba Hubbard. I'm not necessarily that high on Tuba Hubbard. So I think I would take Antonio Gibson over Hubbard. So I would take him. I would, I would give up a, a mid first round pick for Gibson. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. He's a buy eye for me. I'd pay mid first as well, or even straight up for a veteran guy like uh, Chris Carson, maybe Kareem Hunt, Austin Eckler. Really? Um, Ooh, that's
1: a big one. I don't, yeah. I don't know about that. You'd trade him for Eckler. You would trade yeah. Eckler away for him.
0: I just think that he, like, if he's going to be used like Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, yeah. then. His, his ceiling's absolutely massive, and I think as well what what was probably un, underrated in all this is that he only had about seventy odd touches running. Yeah, college. no he's, one I mentioned that. Yeah. no
1: one ever mentions that, do they?
0: I think he's had he's had more rushes in the NFL than he did in college. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. still, still a really raw raw prospect. And I think some of the worries, um, sort of in dynasty dress when in the rookie dress when he was being taken is. Adrian Peterson was there, and um, De- where was he going?
1: It was it wasn't. It yeah. was going quite late. Was was he going in the Ra- third round? Yeah, I'd say round three.
0: Round. There was wow, Peterson. Wow. There was guys. Um, so there was a lot of suppressing factors there. But for, like for me, before this season, he was a running back six, um, and he's probably jumped acres for me, um, just because. Um, we can't trust McVeigh; he's a liar, like you said. And uh, Henderson, obviously, he was taken high, didn't play his rookie season, and then now he's really, really flashing. The same might happen with Akers, it might not. I just don't think you can really trust McVeigh um, to, to 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 have a lot of faith in making the right decision. That obviously, I'd say Akers is a more talented guy than than Gibson, but I mean, a lot of the a lot of the pull at running back is having the opportunity as well. And I just I feel more comfortable in Gibson's opportunity over the next season and a half than I do Akers. So
1: do you think I would expect that the Rams backfield becomes two-headed in 2021 with just because I think Darrell Henderson's done enough that's the worry, I guess, for Akers is he's done enough now to earn a role in that offense. I do think Malcolm Brown is utter garbage. Does that become a two-headed running back monster in 2021 do you think with Henderson and Acres
0: yeah I'd be hoping it's it's but that's the case um I was trying to quickly think of some sort of comparison I immediately I went to Hunt and Chubb but I think that's yeah. probably a little bit too lofty um yeah um, <laughs> but, um if it was just them two you'd feel a lot lot more comfortable because Henderson himself had a few injuries so if you're an Acres yeah. owner you'd be not hoping for an injury, but you, you'd be confident they'd get a fair crack at the uh, starting job.
1: Yeah, I think they just need to get Malcolm Brown out of there. To be honest, that, that's what frustrates me at the minute. If he was, if if he was just losing time to Henderson, I could understand it because I think Henderson he has looked really good. But it just frustrates me that they've got a plodder. It, it did, I think he had one good game. I think he played well in Week One against the Cowboys. But since then, he's been pretty miserable. But it still worries me that it's playing over eggs So I, I, I don't agree with you in terms of putting Gibson above Acres, but I can certainly see the argument for it. And it may be that I'm possibly being a little bit too stubborn in that, but I'd like to see how the rest of the season plays out for now. But, you know, Gibson, I think we can both agree, he's looked fantastic in the opportunities he has got. So yeah. moving to the next game then the... <laughs> The hilarious Lions and Falcons game where Todd Gurley <laughs> accidentally scored a touchdown. So he scored a game-losing touchdown uh, at the end of this one. And obviously the Lions went back down the field and scored to win the game. And I, I must sound like a broken record by now because I just love to talk about him every week. So we've talked about some of the rookies already. Um, I want to talk about DeAndre Swift again, unfortunately for everyone else. And the reason is that I think there is more to talk about. And I think he is very quietly taking over this backfield, which isn't showing up really in the most obvious usage stats that we'd look at. Um, In the off-season after the NFL draft, I knocked him down to the RB5 just based on landing spot, and that was really dumb to do that. The the amount of times I preach about talent in Dynasty and then do things like that is baffling, (laughs) to be honest. But yeah, I knocked him (laughs) down to RB5. Really, I think he's the second most talented running back in the class behind Jonathan Taylor. I think he's looked fantastic for the last two weeks. Now, what people are going to look at is the headline figures that he only played 45% of the snaps again. But I personally think Adrian Peterson slowly starting to be pushed out of this offence. So swift out target Peterson, which he has been doing all season, five to one. He was the only running back with a red zone target. He had three carries in the red zone to one for Peterson, and he scored on his only carry inside the five, and the carries inside the five were split one to one. Peterson's attempt inside the five was pathetic. That might be me being a little bit biased. Um, I think Swift's going to take over this backfield this year, and I know we talked last week. I think it was that it's hard to buy low in Dynasty. Certainly, you're not going to be able to buy low on DeAndre Swift. If you're going to try and buy him in redraft, I'd probably use you know the basic stats such as the snap count and things like that to try and buy him from owners who are frustrated by the because you look at the the main peripherals and the headlines and it looks like he's still sharing the backfield. In a complete split with Adrian Peterson, but I don't think that's the case.
0: Yeah, just a swift response from me.
1: Oh, honestly,
0: <laughs> I think he's a fantastic buy. Yeah, um, the thing that's really encouraging, I think, from this game is that he got that um, he got that goal line carry. Um, often you see that in backfields, you'll have specific players for specific roles, whether it be third down back, goal line back, etc. I think the fact they've got Peterson on the roster and he's got a, a goal line touch, mm. I think it's really encouraging for his uh, future outlook where the, the yeah. fact that whatever the game script is, you're going to see his snap share increase. Um, yeah. Plus, if you think about this season, the Lions have had the buy already, so that's another thing you don't have to, to worry yeah. about. That's a um, massive
1: thing in redraft, I yeah. think when you get to this stage, is, is taking into account teams that have had a buy, And I, I don't think a lot of players in redraft do that.
0: No, and it, it's it's just an easy way to steal a free game from a player. Yeah. You just you just you're looking to trade a player that's not had the buy for a player that's had the buy and um I guess some people will miss that. Yeah. <laughs> um I did speak about Swift last week. I just want to apologize for my inability to articulate on last week's show. <laughs> Apology
1: not accepted.
0: <laughs> because I said that Swift was a Buy high and a buy low, which <laughs> <laughs> that does come across quite confusing. What I'm trying to get across, <laughs> maybe unsuccessfully, is that you'll have to buy him high to get him. Yeah. But by my rankings, he's still a buy low because I've got him that high.
1: So, yeah, is that I think you've done the same thing again, but I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Like, so you're gonna have to buy high based on the perspective of maybe. Other people in your league, or the fancy community itself, but you, you still wouldn't consider that like overpaying for him, basically, because you think he's worth that. Is that?
0: It, yeah, that is exactly what I said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad I could help. But yeah, I see where you're going, and we've just mentioned it. Like, I think you have to buy Iron Dynasty, because no doubt about it. I think if you don't, then then you end up regretting it. So. Buying eye for me, definitely on Andre Swift. And just to check then, because I know you said last week you're having no success even getting people to consider it. Have you had any success buying DeAndre Swift? No. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I've got quite a few Swift shares. You haven't tried to come to me for to buy DeAndre Swift yet. Yeah?
0: Yes, yeah, because I know that you like him as much as me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I know that you're willing to buy high high. Yeah,
0: not uh, just buy low, buy high and buy low. <laughs> yeah. So if
1: we move on to the next game, which was the uh, Buccaneers and the Raiders, once again, and this seems to be coming a weekly weekly occurrence now, the Buccaneers smashed their opponent 45-20. to 20. Tom Brady is looking extremely impressive. I won't put you on the spot and question you on that, Kev, because uh, I've had to take my take lock off on Tom Brady, but we'll leave that there. <laughs> is there anything else other than Tom Brady uh, shoving people's criticisms down their throat this week that stood out for you in this one?
0: Yeah, well, Chris Godwin for me. Um, obviously, he's had an injury season playing in only four of seven games. And then we got the news earlier today that he's got a broken finger and he's out this week as well. So, um, really, really injury plagued season. But he's he's still a wide receiver, two in fantasy points per game. And if we magically remove those injuries, he, he does, have, does have a 16 game pace for 100 catches. Um, obviously, the volume is lower this season without Winston, who was. Throwing turnover, several turnovers a game, and um, I just think as well, he's, he's getting them favourable matchups from the slot still in, in the Arian's Aaron, offence. So his roles stay the same, it's just a case of the, the volume under, under the uh, tutelage of Tom Brady. Um, but I guess the slant I want to take on it with the news is out again this week is that um, he's going to miss two more games of the fantasy regular season uh, this week when he's injured. And also their bye week is week thirteen, which for some teams it's the final game of the fantasy regular season. Yeah. Um now with with the books being all in on Tom Brady and his retirement home buddies, Gronk and the newly signed A B, um would you say now's the time to go after acquiring Chris Godwin in Dynasty Leagues if you're a rebuilding team? Uh
1: I'm not I'm not sure for a rebuilding team. And what first of all, I just want to say Chris Godwin is 1 million percent a buy right now but rebuilding team I'd only worry if you're rebuilding team you don't have many assets in terms of players I think you probably may have to give up too much draft capital at this early stage now because I think when you get around to next year when we're deep into the off season then we're a little bit closer to the draft and you get a little bit of rookie fever whereas now things like picks for future rookie drafts are probably at their lowest point because you've got contenders practically throwing their picks away and things like that so at the minute I don't think the the picks are worth that much so I think if you're giving up your picks now it's decreasing your flexibility a little bit so it's hard when we've got one because then then you could say that you get to next February, March, April time and it's too late to try and buy him but if you are a team that's retooling I think so you think that you're you're not in contention this year maybe you've had a little bit of bad luck or a run of injuries but you think you've got enough in place that you can contend next year then I think he's absolutely a buy now um people might be worried about his injuries but I don't think any of them are long-term issues They're, they're mainly like soft tissue injuries and obviously he's broken his finger I think he's just had a little bit of bad luck to be completely honest um and I think he'll be fine going into 2021 I still believe he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. I don't think Antonio Brown will stay there beyond this year. And he's also, the most, he's in the games he has played, he's been the most efficient receiving option as well for the box, So he's led the team 2.07 yards per route run. He's actually fourth on the team in targets because of the, the game, like he's missed three games, I think. But he's still the joint leader in receptions as well with 25. So Godwin is a screaming buy for me. The only reason I say no to your question at this point is because it'd be very hard to see how much you'd have to give up to acquire him. But if you're a few pieces away going into 2021, then absolutely, I think, again, is another buy-high target.
0: Yeah, I think you make a great point about the um, sort of value of picks at this stage, uh, how their value really grows um, around the rookie draft time. So giving up picks at this stage it's probably not the best process. I guess... For rebuilding teams, something that might be ideal if you're looking to buy Godwin as a rebuilding team is if you've got a, an asset such as an Adam Thielen or a, yeah, yeah. maybe a new Copkins, you could move those yeah. um, and yeah. get younger at the position. Um, in terms of Godwin's long-term outlook, I think, obviously, if if the Bucks continue to play like they have, they, they might win the Super Bowl and Tom Brady might not be there in 2021. <laughs> yeah. But I do think the the QB market is pretty strong and getting better in my opinion with the the two the two blue chip prospects in this class um, yeah. and there's quite a few decent backups out there, Jameis Winston <laughs> um, but I, I think as well the role in, in the offence that he plays from the slot is it, it likely makes him QB proof, so even if it is a slight downgrade from a Tom Brady to someone else, um, I don't think it'll affect him that much, thinking someone like uh, Jameson Crowder for example uh, they get a lot of the High percentage, balls over the middle. Um, and yeah. obviously we know he's great after the catch. And just going back to last season, um, Chris Godwin was a wide receiver, one in dynasty rankings at a well-known dynasty service, uh, yeah. which we're not going to name because uh, we don't like him. Um no.
1: <laughs> What? <laughs> I do. I just like to put on the record that I do, but carry on. He's my hero, but carry on. He's not. But carry on. We don't dislike anyone on this show, Kevin.
0: Yeah, sorry Podfather. <laughs> I didn't mean to get offhand then, Podfather. Um but yeah, I think considering he was a wide receiver one in Dynasty last year, you'll be able to get him a lot cheaper now and he's he's only twenty four years old, so I'd be doing all I can to get Godwin at a reduced cost.
1: I think I think the ranking to be fair, at this when you think back to this time last year, I think that was pretty close to him being the wide receiver one. And he's obviously, dro- his value's dropped a little bit now, but I still think he's right up there, to be honest. I think he's still in the conversation as the, at least a top five dynasty wide receiver still, even with the injury issues this year going forward. Like you said, he's only, is he 24 now, or has he yeah. just turned 25? He's, you know, he's, he's still got two years before he hits that point where, at 27 or 28, where no one wants to buy these players anymore, just because they've hit 27 years old. But... I think he's still very much in the conversation as a a top five wide receiver and a fully healthy year next year. And I think he's still in consideration as a top three dynasty wide receiver, potentially.
0: Yeah. Is he better than Mike Evans? Yes, he is better than Mike (laughs) Evans.
1: That's another one for another show, I think. Uh, So if we move on to the Chiefs and the Broncos, the Chiefs. Just smashing the Broncos 43 to 16. They took the starters out of the game with their offense only playing 41 snaps, which is pretty embarrassing for the Broncos, the Chiefs treating them like a practice squad. I think the only even though I don't think we got a definitive answer, I think the only thing we can really look at here is the talking point that was always going to come out of this game, which was Clyde Edwards Hilaire versus Le'Veon Bell. And I would say it's difficult to make a judgment, a hundred percent judgment based on the weather. And also, the Chiefs gave the Broncos such a beating that they pulled the starters after playing 41 offensive snaps. If we do look at that in a vacuum a little bit, so there was 41 snaps for the starters in. Uh, Edward Solaire out snapped Bell 27-17. to But I think that's going to be a lot closer to 50-50 when we've got neutral game scripts and Bell works his way in. And also, if you actually watch the game closely, they, they actually seem to rotate drives between Edward Solaire and Bell. And I think the last drive before the Chiefs pulled the starters was actually a Clyde Edwards-Helaire drive, and that may be why he finished ten snaps ahead of Le'Veon Bell. So I think the split may have been a lot closer if they'd have played the whole game. Uh, they pretty much split red zone carries as well, three to two, and fantastically, the Andre Washington got the only carry inside the five, which is helpful to no one. Where are you? Like, where are you on this debate in terms of Edwards-Helaire and Le'Veon Bell and Edwards-Helaire's value going forward?
0: Yeah, so I still think Edward Zalaire's going to be a, a high running back too this season. In In the majority of leagues, I think the owner won't be selling him on the cheap, And I think if you've got him, you'll be holding him unless you get something stupid in, in your dynasty leagues, at least. Um, I see Bell stealing goal line touches and some of the pass work, but
1: yeah.
0: I just think as well it's, it's worth mentioning that he's already missed four games this season and it's not Always the, the most soundest of processes to trust a 28 year old with the number of career touches that he's had. So, yeah, I think people expecting him to to lead the backfield, I think it's a little bit off. But, um, I do predict that he'll, he'll get running back free numbers this season with the Chiefs, um, should he stay healthy the full season. Um, and just one interesting note on Lev Bell obviously, you mentioned, um, Next week they they'll be nineteen point favourites against the Jets. Um, so if they do rest the starters and the starters, Clyde Edwards alert. Then it's a Lev Bell revenge game, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean I think they'll just leave him in and just damn the ball off to him thirty or forty times.
0: <laughs> it's really just... rubbing uh, Gase's face.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's a worry, isn't it? It's probably not for this show, but the Chiefs are probably going to be able to if they want to. The Chiefs could probably well not even probably play the starters, but. I can see them pulling the starters by half-time, but it's so difficult because you're not going to sit guys like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, or Edwards O'Leary and Bell. But there is a real risk that they get pulled out even earlier this week.
0: Yeah, I'm worried, I must say. I've got Mahomes in a quite a few leagues, and obviously the way this game went against the Broncos, he, he underperformed because of the, 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 various, the game script and the, uh, I think it was a, special teams touchdown, um, but against the Jets, he might get pulled at halftime if they're not far ahead. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll have to see, but like I said, I wouldn't recommend sitting any of your Chiefs players. I don't think you can play like that, but you know it is definitely a worry. I'll just keep it in mind that we may be seeing them pulled in record time. Yeah, don't uh, bench Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then blame us for doing it as well. Uh, next game on the slate was the 49ers absolutely obliterate. There's a lot of blowouts this week, actually. The 49ers blew out the Patriots, which is great to watch 33 to 6. I've got a good idea of where you're going to go on this one, Kev.
0: Oh, yeah, it's, it's Cam Newton. Um, first couple of games of the season look like old Cam Newton with his rushing ability and his uh streaky passing. Um, and then obviously, he had the COVID issue in the bye week, and he's He's not looked the same. There's also been reports of a potential hand injury. Um, and on Sunday, it was abysmal—three interceptions. It was the biggest defeat under Bill Belichick. Um, and he got benched for for Stidham as well, just to sort of protect him. Um, and he's, you
1: think that's what it was? Then it was, but I think it, I thought it was just to protect him. To be fair, there was just no point in being out there.
0: I think, after, because the game had gone, it's just a case of maybe the confidence has gone as well and. Um, sort of live to fight another day as such um, but I, get, I guess Cam Newton my, my question to you really is what what do you do with him if you've got him in dynasty and do you think he'll have a starting job next season whether it be the Patriots or somewhere else
1: I I think he will I think he looks so he looked, No, I wouldn't say so good, that's probably an exaggeration but he looked really good those first three games of the season He's obviously missed some time, obviously was on the COVID list. He actually was COVID positive. What what I think, and I'm not just defending Newton here, he did look dreadful on Sunday, but he just hasn't got any weapons to throw the ball to. I mean, I, I've i defended in Harry for a long time. I'm losing patience with Nkeel Harry at this point. I'm starting to think that he won't become what we expected. Not totally out, but I'm on my way there. He hasn't got the weapons around him, and... For that reason, I think he may get a lifeline that he comes back in 2021. But I think we'll need to see some improvement from him the rest of the season for that to be the case. Again, because the Patriots aren't going to be in a position unless they trade up for the top quarterback. So unless they're picking up a quarterback in free agency, I think Cam will get another year. But there is a risk that you know he looks this bad going forward to the end of the season. Can the Patriots really stick with him in dynasty? I think you're... I don't think you can sell him now. Like the time to sell him was probably three weeks ago. No one's going to want to pick him up. We talked at the top of the show about obviously quarterbacks being highly valued, obviously in superflex. But I don't think anyone would buy him right now, and you certainly wouldn't get close to value on him. Yeah, uh, as a hold, I think yeah. out of you know necessity, I think you have to hold him.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm completely on board with that, and I think if you've got him um, in your dynasty leagues, he's... You've got to have him on your bench um, where, where you can. Um, in terms of a starting job next season, I also slightly lean yes, just based on the fact that he's he's coming back from a, a significant injury. He's, he's had COVID. He's had a short off-season, a new team. Um, the, the weapons there are pretty laughable. I mean, we, we I'm probably going to have to eat, eat my words on Tom Brady. Looking so good in in Tampa, but <laughs> you look at his weapons compared to Cam, and you think, yeah, would even Tom Brady be able to do anything with? Well, it was dr-
1: Tom Brady didn't play well last year. That's no. the thing, and now it's obviously looking like that. I mean, people like us, we probably jumped on that bandwagon of saying he was washed, but it's looking like it was the weapons around him that caused that, and they're just dreadful. I mean, is there an argument to say they are? They have got one of the worst offenses in the league. I think.
0: It- it's, yeah, it's probably worse than the Jets, um, or, or definitely in that ballpark. Definitely in that ballpark. Yeah, I think with, with Cam, if you've got him as your your QB two going into twenty twenty one in a, in your Superflex leagues, I'd be I'd be mightily uncomfortable with that. And I do actually have him as my QB two in a, in a league. <laughs> so I have as well. I'm I'm very worried. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we have obviously linking one dreadful quarterback performance to another just simply dreadful quarterback. Um, we'll look at the Jags and the Chargers. The Chargers thankfully beating the tanking Jags 39-29, to though the Jags tried their best to blow it and pick up a second win of the season. Um, I've ranted enough about Gardner Minshew on this show, but I am going to have to do a little bit again, and that's in the case of screaming for justice for DJ Chark. I think this is... Uh, big buy low window on Chark in Dynasty. Um, I don't think we're going to see what we expect to see from Chark this season, and that's because of Minshew as his quarterback. Um, when you look at the peripherals for DJ Chark, he's putting you know, you look at the usage, and he's been used like um, a stud wide receiver, one or an alpha wide receiver. He had fourteen targets in Week Six and seven targets wow. in Week Seven. Um, also had a pretty good, pretty good uh, average depth of target of fifteen point one four yards as well. And I think it's the poor play and poor throws from Minshew that's cost Chark this year so far. I would say one slight argument in Minshew's favor, so I won't put all the blame on Minshew. Maybe just ninety nine point nine percent is that Chark did have two drops against the Chargers. But I think overall, long term, Chark is closer to the player we saw last year than what we've seen this year. And I think all the peripherals suggest that he's a very much a buy in dynasty going into twenty twenty one when he may have a real quarterback. And in redraft, I think all the, you know, everything we've just gone through there suggests a monster game is coming, but I'm just finding it really hard to trust he's going to get that with Minshew as his quarterback. So where are you firstly on chart in terms of dynasty? So looking ahead to 2021 and beyond that.
0: Yeah, I've tried to get him in a few leagues with no look so far, but I think for, for me, it's probably just uh, to remain patient. And while ever Minshew is a QB, his prices are going to, hopefully keep dipping and uh, mm. I'll be able to get him for a little bit cheaper um, later on in the season. Um, I mean, we, we we know that you love Gardner Minshew, but we, we all also know that he's, he's not going to be the QB for the Jags next season. Um, yeah. and like you said, there's mm. it's going to be an upgrade at QB, um, an upgrade at coach. Um,
1: That's so, not difficult, to be fair.
0: Exactly. So... Now is the right time to to go for Jack, and if if you're struggling to get him at this stage, I just keep continuing to to go for him. He's on his rookie deal still, so yeah, um, he's still a young dude that's got everything in front of him apart from a competent QB and a competent coach. <laughs>
1: yeah, so everything that could be working against him is working against him. But I was, I mean, we talked about on this show in the. Summer, I'm I wasn't sold on Chark as an alpha wide receiver, but I I have come round on that, which sounds weird when he's you know he's not technically played well. But I I do think he's going to be the alpha wide receiver. I think him and as miserable as this season's been so far, I actually really like the some of the weapons we've got there in LaVisca Chennault and DJ Chark, and potentially James Robinson as well. Though I'm not 100% sold long term just because we've got nothing really invested in him, but yeah, I, I really like Chark. I think the longer this goes on, if you've got Chark, or if you're trying to buy Chark on a team um, in a dynasty league, sorry, where you know, you're know you possibly, again, you're rebuilding as a young guy, I think he's a great target, and like you said, Kev, the longer this goes on, the better, because I think with Minshew as his quarterback, Chark's price is only going to go down the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I, I've just got a quick question for you about the Jags, actually, with, with regards to Chark. If uh, There's been talk that Maybe uh, Jay Gruden might get a shot at the head coaching job. Do you think Jack's value would be better with Gruden there or with somebody completely new there?
1: I really, I, it's very early, like, and it's it's hard because we spend nearly every game chasing from behind. But I actually like what Gruden's done with the offense so far. So I, I'd like to see Gruden get a chance with with a new quarterback and with some of the weapons that we've got now. I think the offense is a lot better than than people may think in terms of some of the weapons we've got going forward it's just about getting that I mean the quarterback fixes so many issues we've seen it so many times with franchises that look to be going nowhere or going backwards and you get a franchise QB and a legitimate one which we haven't had for so long and things change completely I think I'd like to see Gruden get a chance with a new quarterback next year and see how Chark and Chenault look then because I think Chenault's another guy that's on the verge of a monster breakout performance that just hasn't quite happened yet because covers his quarterback basically.
0: Yeah, imagine if uh, if you end up with one of these um, young young guys that have been a bit of a cast off like uh, Dwayne Askins or Sam Darnold type. I'm sure surely they'd be an upgrade on Minshew.
1: No, we're having I've given up on Trevor Lawrence. So we're floundering for fields now and I won't <laughs> accept anything less than that. So we go to a game. So we've we've covered two, uh, quarter, two player, two quarterbacks with poor play. Let's go on to a game that was outstanding quarterback play from both involved. This was the Seahawks and the Cardinals. The Cardinals winning this one in overtime, thirty-seven to thirty-four, in a phenomenal game with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson pulling the strings at quarterback. I think that's a little bit too obvious to talk about, really, Kev. Is it? So what else? Well, I'm saying that. I don't think there's anything more obvious than what we're going to talk about. I've just looked at the show sheet. Uh, but rightly so. What is it in this one that you picked out, Kev?
0: I mean, the, the first thing uh, to pick out was uh, DK Metcalf doing his uh, Forrest, yeah. Forrest Gump impression. That was fantastic to see him motoring down the uh, sideline and making that, that tackle, which actually... It it saved it's it, well it's it saved seven points for the Seahawks. So um at the time it was fantastic that the the defence stood up but uh, in the end it didn't matter because I lost. Um <laughs> but yeah. the, the guy I want to talk about is Tyler Lockett or who else, um, what a performance. Um fifteen catches, two hundred yards, three touchdowns, fifty three fantasy points. Um when he booms, he booms, don't he? Is the Current wide receiver two in fantasy points. <laughs>
1: what was he before? What was he before week seven?
0: <laughs> wide receiver forty eight. <laughs> no, um, he, he's. I mean, he's. He's wide receiver two fantasy points and fantasy points per game on the season. Um, I'm a big fan of Ty Lockett, to be honest, uh, but he's 28 years old, so it's it's a possible sell window. Um, just just based on the age, really. Obviously, he's wide receiver two. He's probably not gonna be this high ever again in his career. Um, just being brutally honest. So, assume you're selling Locke, what would you be looking to get for him in terms of picks or players?
1: I think it's really hard. I think um, with Lockett, you're right, is at that age where, if you're not contending this year, really, what is the point in holding Tyler Lockett beyond now? I mean, I still think he's got a few productive years left, especially with Russell Wilson in his as his quarterback. And I think for now, he still is the wide receiver one in Seattle as well, as much as I love. And obviously, you know, everyone loves the potential of DK Metcalf. I think for now, Lockett is the wide receiver one. So it'd be hard to give him up. If I'm in contention or, you know, close to being in contention, I think, you know, I could make a run deep in the season and I'm not letting him go for anything unless I get something absolutely stupendous. But if you don't believe you can win this year, I think you're right. Now is probably the right time to sell him. Um and because on the back of that performance you know I, I'd be willing to try and be unreasonable on this and I'd try to ask more than what is worth so I'd be looking for possibly a younger wide receiver as well as as looking at picks especially if you can get some picks in the 2021 rookie class as I said 2022 doesn't look too great to be honest If you can load up on picks in that 2021 class, it could set you up really well and give you some flexibility. So, a younger wide receiver—I was going to say a rookie wide receiver that's not really broken out yet—but they all seem to have broken out, so that's tough. But you know, if if a contender wants to go out and win now, you know, you could look at someone like, um, you know, I think Jefferson's probably probably past the point of being able to buy relatively cheaply. I think Higgins—I think we know he's a stud, but. You know, people may still be willing to sell him if, you know, if they believe they can get a guy like Tyler Lockett the rest of the season. So maybe a guy like T. Higgins and, and looking for picks in the 2021 draft as well. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think if you're a contender, you, you could still consider moving Lockett as the wide receiver too, maybe for someone um, like a New Copkins or a Calvin Ridley. Uh, do you Tyree think people would do
1: that? Do you think people would do that? I think
0: it's interesting. <sighs> I, I don't know. I think people see see the numbers, see the wide receiver too. See that he's had his bye week. Mm. Um, maybe maybe they be up for doing something. Maybe, who knows? Maybe a Michael Thomas. Oh, he's well, yeah, he's, he's got question marks, hasn't he? So yeah, um, he's potentially someone that you can get on the cheap for.
1: One of the oh. names you've got on there, and we'll probably come on to him a little bit in a second. Um, Alan Robinson, I think. <laughs> So you, you would would you sell Tyler Lockett for Alan Robinson right now for the rest if you were a contender for the rest of this year?
0: Me personally, I wouldn't. But I think it's it's a worthy discussion. That I mean, before this week, Robinson was probably higher than Lockett in mm. in in your in your thoughts. Uh, maybe you could capitalize on this vividness that he's had this blowout game on uh, the yeah. on on the, uh, the island game as such, where it's the only game on at the time so everybody is aware of it um i think that'd be what i'd do as a contender potentially but in, in rebuild i'd be looking at some sort of mid first round pick or a late first and early second and mm-hmm. rookie, rookie picks rookie wide receiver wise tiggins is a great shout um plus draft picks um up. and then and the two guys i mentioned earlier um rager and um aubergine man mims um i think the,
1: i think rager's probably more realistic yeah uh, i mean i've seen, honestly and i saw this on social media over the weekend i and i can't believe this i i love making fun of the eagles more than anyone uh, <laughs> obviously due to your connections but there were people criticizing the eagles for taking rager over i think it was did they take him over jefferson, jefferson, jefferson yeah, yeah. And Rager hasn't even played yet. We're seven games into his rookie season where he's been hurt for most of it. And people are criticising the pick is ridiculous. But that, to me, immediately sends alarm bells that you go and buy Jalen Rager right now. I've never been so sure uh, as I am on Jalen Rager. I think he's going to be fantastic. And if, yeah, I, I think that's the one. I, I don't necessarily agree with you on some of those in there. I think some are either unrealistic or I wouldn't do it. But Rager plus picks, I think, if you're not going to contend this year, I think that's a a smash trade to try and do.
0: Yep, yep.
1: So, we've sort of touched on it there. I'm going to be honest here, Kev, you gave me another dud game in the Bears and the Rams, (laughs) which, to be honest, I'd rather look at my wall for the night than watch this game ever again. Uh, I do think, the only thing I picked up on this one, and we've just mentioned it, I, I would be hesitant to trade away Tyler Lockett for Alan Robinson, though... To be fair, is Robinson actually out of contract this year? I think he is, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he's, but, he does a bit of a, a bit of a fallout at the start of the season, but it's sort of died off in the press. Yeah, so it's, but I mean,
1: if you're a contender, yeah, yeah I, I think I'd probably take my chances with Lockett just based on the fact that he's got the better quarterback. But in terms of actually buying Alan Robinson completely separate from Lockett, uh, it pains me because, you know, I just feel so bad for Alan Robinson that he's had Mitch Trubisky, now Nick Falls as his quarterback, and Falls missed... So many open throws again last night. Uh, It was just pathetic. I'm not going to get into a debate with you on Nick Foles, don't worry. (laughs) But you could make an argument that Alan Robinson's a buy low because I think their schedule does ease up quite considerably now going forward. And you've got to remember that he was shadowed by Jalen Ramsey last night as well, which, you know, any even the elite wide receivers struggle against Ramsey, never mind when you've got, you know, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. I am trying to draw you in for a bite here. One of the worst quarterbacks <laughs> in the league throwing the ball to you. I think, obviously, there was no way Robinson was going to be successful last night, so he's a potential buy low, I think. Maybe not for Lockett, but I can see why you'd try and buy him low at this point. What about you?
0: Oh, yeah. he's. I mean, he's, he's still a wide receiver. One. He? He's mm-hmm. Even despite all these QB problems that he, he's had his his whole life, really. Ever since he was born, he's had these... QB troubles. Um, I, I love Alan Robinson. What a guy! He's just been so lucky with the talent yeah. around him, and I'm always looking to get him um, in, in any league. Uh, but I think the guys that tend to have Robinson, they're pretty savvy um, yeah. in in the leagues. I mean, because he never makes it to me,
1: <laughs> so um,
0: so there must be must be people in, in my dynasty leagues that like him more than me. But um, yeah, if you can get him at a decent price. I'd be willing to get involved. You've got to think he's playing the Vikings twice <laughs> amongst the, yeah. a very soft schedule. So um, I think obviously it's going to be interesting to see what happens at QB if they do go back to Trubisky or if the stick with Falls. But yeah. Um,
1: it's like Russian roulette, really, yeah. isn't it? We, we
0: know he's quarterback proof and he, I actually think he's pretty, pretty stable. You know he's not going yeah. to give you a, a, a zero any week.
1: Yeah. I mean, so my last question then before we take us to the end of the show. Um, You don't need to give us any explanation. Say Alan Robinson does leave Chicago in free agency. Ideal landing spot if you're the owner of Alan Robinson.
0: Sound. No, um, I'm I'm, going to say ideal landing spot. It's actually one of the best questions you've ever asked.
1: I didn't put it on the show sheet to put you on the spot as well. I mean, say it's the only good question I've ever asked.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a team. It's my go-to team when when you ask a wide receiver question. I'd, I'd say the Eagles.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got. I'm not. Let's end the show because I was going to say that they've got their own issues. You know, they don't have a, a good quarterback either. But we'll be here another hour if I get you into that. Just,
0: so, Im- you know. just imagine the uh, three wide receivers next season: Robinson, Rager, Travis Fulgham. <laughs>
1: so yeah i was with you i No, to be fair no let's not get into it yeah but that is a good call Um, i think let's put it this way it'll be a much better landing spot than it is in now with nick falls in chicago so that has brought us to the end of the show we've ended it in a fast as usual Um just want to thank everyone for tuning in uh, make sure you follow us on twitter at fancy wildcard also we're we'll very grateful if you subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review And that has brought us to the end of the show. Thanks again, everyone, for listening and see you next week.
0: ta When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.